All right, hello, Instagram, and welcome to YouTube. Let's see, is anybody signing in yet? There we go. Welcome, Lori. Welcome, Brittany. Great to see people signing in so quickly. Sorry, I was one, well, almost one minute late tonight. Apologies for that. Had to get my surprise guest into uh, position. We'll bring that person on in just a moment. So let me just greet a few people here. Hello, Allison. Hello, BR, Manly. Hello, Karen, Gabby Abby, Patty. Gabby Abby, you're so faithful. I'm just so impressed with you. Hello, Lego truck driver. Itch Binkins, Kendra, Michelle, Johnny and Hannah, Shmuel, Jacob. All right, five Carsons 05. All right, great to see everybody tuning in. I've just a few quick announcements. Then I'll bring in our guest. People are saying, hello, David. People are asking if it's Violetta. No, this person is not Violetta. You're gonna find out in just a sec. Oh, hi, Ken. it's Kensley. I was like, what's, what's Itch Binkins? I'm sorry, Kensley, I should have known that. Um, I don't know how I should have known that, actually. I can barely see in your avatar. It looks a little bit like you. Okay, two quick announcements, and we've got a long chapter and a great guest, so I don't want to take up any unnecessary time, but just two, qu two things very quickly. Number one, if you are interested in getting a, a shirt for the Steps of Christ reading challenge, you go to typesandsymbols.com. They're cheap. They're like 20 bucks for the short sleeve, $28 for the long sleeve. I'm pretty sure that includes shipping. Um, but we're only going to be offering them through January. So if you get one, you get one. And if you don't, you don't. That's announcement number one. Announcement number two is, uh, you know that Elise Harbolt has been with us the last two sessions and she was with us yesterday. I recorded uh, a supplemental session with her that I uploaded to YouTube, but then I realized that it actually, I didn't upload it right and it has some things that I need to fix on it. So I actually had to take it down and I'm gonna have to do those editorial fixes and sort of adjust the sound, and then I'll re-upload it. So I had a couple people on my Facebook page saying, hey, I watched the first hour of this, and then now it's gone. Big apologies for that. Actually, I felt really bad because by the time I took it down, it already had like 500 views because I had it uploading last night, and then this morning when I woke up, I went back and listened to part of it, and I was like, wait a minute, I've got to fix this. So big apologies there. As you know, I'm not a professional videographer or video editor. So I'm going to do my best to fix it. And if I have to make a phone call to my guy, Jim, he can help me as well. But hopefully that will be back up. So that's my second announcement. All right. Are there any guesses now as to who our, and I'll, I'll, I'll invite the guest in the moment somebody guesses it correctly. So who, okay, let's see. People think Violetta. No, I already said it's not Violetta. It, the person is literally standing right here. Just, just, <laughs> there's the hand. Oh, drop the pen. You, you can't see it. Okay, let's see. Who do we have? Uh, people say Nathan. No. Jamie. No. Nathan Renner. No. Bernice. No. Nathan. No. <laughs> Ty, that's it. Come on in, Ty. Somebody guessed it. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. The one and only... Ty Forrest Gibson, there he is. Good to Put see that all back of you. There. Yes. So that's where we're talking to Instagram. Yeah. That's where we're talking to YouTube. Hello um, YouTube. Hello Instagram. You got to kind of lean forward on that one, but all right. Ty, great to have you here. 
David. Oh, get, oh, a kiss even. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to be seen. Yeah. And uh, Ty, you're the mystery guest, but you're no longer Very mystery. mysterious. Now you're just the guest. <laughs> How was your day? My day was very good. I began the day with uh, giving a message, giving a sermon okay. in, in uh, Topeka, Kansas. Okay. And uh, then jumped on a plane. Okay. Uh, it was a, a boring, uneventful flight, which is good. That's how you want your, That's flights, how you to want your flights to be. Um, I got bumped up to first class. Come on now. Without paying a dime. Okay, I love I it. I love that. And uh, flew here, landed. And uh, just as I landed, uh, received the news that there's going to be about 15 inches of snow overnight. I generally love that, but I have to fly out tomorrow. So, yeah, a big shout out to yeah. Ty. When I reached out to Ty and asked him if he could come on, he was already at a speaking appointment in Kansas. And then you're traveling to an appointment in Oregon. Mm. And he was able to arrange his flight so that he could stay the night in Denver. So hopefully your goodwill doesn't turn into being waylaid here in Denver because of the If snow. I get stuck here, um, you will see me again. I'll, co <laughs> I'll come and say hi. <laughs> Lots of people saying, hey, Ty, hey, Ty, hello, Ty, hey, Ty. Nice Somebody saying, all of you. move closer, Ty. Okay, so the easiest thing to do is just put you, push you back. There you go, you're fine. All right. Um, okay, so welcome, everybody. We are here for Chapter 3. As you know, we did not have a session last night, though I did do a little Q&A. And I've got to be honest, I'm actually thankful that we didn't do the repentance chapter yesterday for a couple reasons. Number one, it gave me more time to read it. So I read it again today several times. Number two, it's a long chapter. I mean, it you would have long, noticed yeah. that, especially compared to chapters one and two. And then number three, real talk here, I actually wanted Ty to be here if possible on this chapter. And I called you and you said, yeah, it's cool. Let's do it. Yeah. I love this chapter. Love the whole book, but wow, this chapter is really, well, it's a work of art just from the writing standpoint, mm -hmm, there agreed. are there are beautifully crafted sentences mm -hmm. um, throughout this chapter, um, but the concept, the ideas, are so rich Big. that oh, just amazing insight. So, David, what are you doing? We're looking here and looking here. Yeah, you just can kind of okay. glance over there sometimes and then All go right. over there. Hi, hi, um, hi. Okay. So, one thing I have said, Ty, in preparation for this reading challenge through mm. Steps of Christ, which isn't much of a challenge because it's only you know, a small book, 13 chapters. But I have said that this is the book mm. that I have read through more times than any other book in my life. Mm. In other words, I've spent more time in the Bible and I've spent more time probably in the Desire of Ages just because it's a longer book. But in terms of the total number of times that I've read a book from start to finish through, this mm. would be that book for me. Mm -hmm. Do you know if this might be I don't that? know. It's it's probably this book for me, but I can't tell you how many times I've read it. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been reading this book basically on loop since I was 18 years old. Oh, I love the fact that you said that, on loop. That's how I feel. You're just in a continual state of mm. reading this book. And even if you're not reading it all the way through, you go back and mm. read the chapter on repentance, read the chapter on, yeah. you know, the sinner's need of Christ, read the chapter on what to do with doubt. And, you know, I've read this chapter so many times. And when I reread it today, one, two, three more times, every time I was like, the language is amazing. The insights are amazing. Mm. It's a yeah, it's a work it of is. art. It's a work of art. Um, I love this chapter so much, in fact, that uh, one time years ago. Oh, this is a funny story. Uh, we this printed, is a funny story. We printed an entire twenty foot container of this chapter turned into a track. So it was a a, a, a quad fold track, and the chapter is called repentance. And so we filled boxes with these bundles of tracks. 
And the title of the chapter is Repentance. And so that's the title of the track. Just, right. just Repentance. So a right? whole container. I mean, there's, a whole there's container. tens of thousands of no, these. No, millions. Millions. Whoa. Each container each container is holding a few million of these. And there's boxes and boxes and, and pallets and pallets. Because we should things. just say very quickly, Light Bearers, the ministry that we are the speakers for and that Ty's been running for the last 30 years, is a publishing ministry. Yeah. Publishing is one of the things that we've been doing Almost from the beginning, it began as a teaching and, and preaching ministry, but the publishing developed very quickly. And, and so we filled a container full of this chapter. <laughs> and um, there, I don't know if you guys know this, but, but in this world, among all the other evil things going on, there right. are, there's a whole group of criminals called container thieves. That's all they do. They specialize in container heists. They, they steal whole containers because they're expecting that if somebody's spending all the money to ship a container somewhere in the world, it's full of something that's important. Very valuable. You know, electronics, TVs, something that we can sell on the, on the black market, right? Yeah. So people steal containers. And this container, this one, not one of our other ones. Was stolen. <laughs> Does God have a sense of humor? So they steal this container. They get it out into the woods mm. to see what they've got. They crack it open. They open the boxes, no doubt looking for Sony and Panasonic products or something. And right there, staring them in the face, repentance. <laughs> and then the first sentence, which is on the cover of the track, how shall a man be just with God? <laughs> They abandoned the container. Left it there. They abandoned it, and uh, the authorities contacted us and said, we got your container. They don't want it. <laughs> God most certainly has a sense of humor. That's hilarious. Yeah, it really is. I like to think about their disappointment in opening up what they think is going to be electronics or whatever it might be, <laughs> and here's a bunch of tracks that all say the same thing. Repent, 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 repent. <laughs> repent, repent. It's a message. It's like those signs that you see. If you've been waiting for a sign from God, this is it. This is it. <laughs> yes. Okay, Ty, with that amazing story, and so many people tuned in now, we're at almost 500 people on Instagram. Welcome to everybody, yeah. everybody on YouTube. Ty, I'll ask you to have our opening prayer, and then we're going to get right into this because it's a long chapter. Mm. I don't want us to feel at all constrained by time. I'll be in charge of sort of the time, and we'll just have a great conversation. Okay, okay. perfect. You pray. Father in heaven, the first thing that we know for sure about you is that you are good. Mm and that you only have our best interest at heart. So, Father, please come into our presence right now, into our minds, into our hearts. Help us to think the way you think, to feel the way you feel. As we read this chapter, Lord, as we encounter these lofty ideas, help us to grasp them on a practical level so mm. that they are meaningful in our lives, in our relationships. All of us have spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, children, grandmas and grandpas, uncles and aunties and people in our neighborhoods, just actual human beings with whom we interact on a regular basis. Father, may, may our time together tonight raise the quality of our relationships, all of our relationships, so that we are more loyal and truthful mm. and trustworthy and kind and gentle with mm. everybody with whom we have any kind of social currency. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Beautiful. 
Um, All right, man. How are we doing this? Okay, so here's how we're going to do it, Ty. Right. We'll spend probably 45 minutes to an hour just sort of talking. We'll just sort of see. It would be great if we could get through the whole chapter. If we can't, at some point, we'll have to cut it off. And then at the end, sort of mm. in the last 20 minutes, we'll go through our rubric, the point, the person, the prayer, the practice, the promise. And then we'll sort of reveal our word. Did you sort of select a word for you that kind of encapsulates? I did. It was it was a it was neck and neck. Okay. There were two we'll words. We'll talk about but that I, at the but very I, I picked end. one because you said I had to pick one. You had to pick one. All right. Um, okay. So the chapter is titled Repentance. Mm. Uh, Ty and I both have the types and symbols version here. So we're on page 36. And if you're in the original pagination, you're on page 23. Ty, one of the things I like to do just to get us started is just to read like the first two paragraphs. Why don't you just read page one, or you want me to read it? Go for it. Read I'll it. read it, and then we'll be off to the You races. read, and I'll mark. Okay. How shall a man be just with God? How shall the sinner be made righteous? It is only through Christ that we can be brought into harmony with God with holiness. But how are we to come to Christ? Many are asking the same question as did the multitude on the day of Pentecost when, convicted of sin, they cried out, what shall we do? The first words of Peter's answer was, Repent. Mm. The first word of Peter's answer was repent. Quoting from Acts 2, 37 and 38. At another time, shortly after, he said, Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Repentance includes sorrow for sin and a turning away from it. We shall not renounce sin unless we see its sinfulness. Until we turn away from it in heart, there will be no real change in the life. Hmm. Okay, we're off to the races. We're off to the races. This is amazing already. Okay, so she starts by asking a series of questions, right? Three questions. Number one, how shall a man be just with God? Number two, how shall the sinner be made righteous? Number three, how shall we? How are we to come to Christ? Hmm. Ty, what is the answer to those questions? Repentance is the answer to the okay. question. That's later on. She says, "How?" Right. Okay. Yeah. How how is a person to be made just with God, which is a synonym? She's asking the question three times mm. and using three different words. How shall a man be just with God? Okay. Just with God. And then how shall the sinner be made righteous? righteous. So just righteous. And then it is only through Christ that we can be brought into harmony with God. Now we have the word harmony. And why I think this is incredibly important to understand is that we need to disabuse our minds of the idea that God is somehow a party pooper, a killjoy. He's against what, if he would just leave us alone, we'd be fine. Mm. So, so, so we have here just living, righteous living, that is then interpreted as harmony with God. So let's just play with the word harmony here for a minute. Harmony is synchronicity. Mm. Is, is to be brought back into alignment yeah. Yeah, with yeah, God, yeah, yeah. right? So, so, so God, isn't, God isn't approaching us in a way, for example, that, that we're going on our merry way, doing whatever pops into our noggins, whatever, whatever feels good to us in the moment, living what Bible, the Bible calls a sinful life, right? We're just going along, and God says, repent. Well, why, Lord? Well, because I just don't like you doing that kind of stuff. Mm. But, but why, Lord? Well, I, I just don't like it. I want you to stop doing what I don't want you to do. It's not arbitrary in nature. The answer is yeah. more like, I want you to repent because the direction you're going is contrary to your actual flourishing and thriving. You are incrementally changing yourself into a monster and you don't know it. And mm. so I am going to reverse the effect of your monsterfication 
by calling upon you to repent, mm. to turn around and start going the yeah. other direction before you go too far yeah. and you can't get back. Mm. So, so, so think about this, David. Think about a fulcrum or a teeter-totter, right? Yep, gotcha. So, so, so you have a vertical line, you have a horizontal line. Yep. And, and just picture that the human being is on the center of that fulcrum, that teeter-totter, yep. right? Every time you take a step in one direction, your weight, the weight of your steps is tipping you in a direction. Now, if you keep going in one direction, that tipping becomes a steeper and steeper incline to get back. So it becomes gradually more and more and more impossible for you to recover your sure footing and move in the opposite direction until finally, if you can imagine, you know, the, the teeter-totter, the fulcrum uh, illustration that we're using here, if, if you keep going in a certain direction, first it's just hard to get back, but you can get back. Then it becomes extremely hard, to, but you can get back. Then eventually... You're vertical and sliding mm, into the abyss, sliding into the abyss from which there is no return. And now she'll later on describe this as capacity, right? Mm. She, she, sa she says not only by continually committing sin over and over again, not only do you do wrong, but you are gradually chipping away at what she calls your capacity for doing right. The very capacity, the ability to turn around gradually vanishes. And then she says you get to the place where you don't even want it anymore. You can't even discern it anymore. So, so the point I'm making is that to be just, to be, to be brought back into right relation with God, mm. how to be made just with God, how to be made righteous, is to be brought into harmony with God, into yeah. a synchronized relationship with God, that is to say, being brought back into the harmonious relationship that we're actually built for. You, so it's you, not arbitrary. Okay, I'm so glad you just said that word because when you were saying that God is saying, stop doing that, stop doing that, and we say, well, why? And he, well, I just don't like it. It sounds, as you said, arbitrary. And for those of you that have been coming with us on this journey, you will recall that in our last chapter, The Sinner's Need of Christ, she literally says, "It is." No, I'll just read it, it is no arbitrary decree on the part of God that excludes the wicked from heaven. They are shut out by their own unfitness for its companionship. Hmm. The glory of God would be to them a consuming fire. They would welcome destruction that they might be hidden from the face of him who died to redeem them. Your point is God's call to turn, to change, to repent hmm. is a call not out of caprice, not out of control, not hmm. out of coercion, but a call to us that has always at the forefront of the call hmm. our own best happiness and That's right. joy in yeah. mind. That's right. The, okay. un the universe is constructed by God in a certain way. Okay. It's made to operate in a certain manner, and we're out of sync with it. So we, as sinners, are going against the grain of reality, against the grain of the universe, mm, right? I like that, yeah. And, and, and God is not saying, hey, I have some rules that I'm really picky about, that, that if you break them, uh, it won't have any effect on you intrinsically, but I just don't want you doing that stuff. It, it's, it's completely- It makes it artificial, it, it's, it's contrived. It's, yeah, no, this is, this is, the universe operates a certain way, and we're out of sync with it. She uses and the harmony word- harmony is the word. She uses the word harmony. She also uses the word unselfish love. Yes. 
So, so we are, and going mm-hmm. back to chapter one or chapter two, you have that line there, selfishness took the place of love, mm. right? So, so man, human beings, mankind is operating at cross purposes with God and with reality as God had intended it to operate. Mm. So God's invitation to repent, to turn, is an invitation to come back mm. into harmony, not to satisfy some need on the part of God to control us, but for our own best good. Yeah, if there's one thing that omnipotent God doesn't want, it's control. What what, what God wants is responsible self-governance, right? Mm. This is what this is why this this is why there is a certain feature to the operating system of humanity that is that is intrinsic to free will. And 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 what that thing is is malleability or or neuroplasticity. You always get more of the direction in which you're choosing. Mm. You, 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 because you're a free moral agent. So every time you perform an action, think a thought, feel a feeling, perform an action, you're, you're becoming a little bit more like what you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little bit more like what you just chose, right? And it's incremental. And that neuroplasticity is a feature of the free will operating system because it allows for me to literally shape my own identity in any direction I want to go mm. with it, while God is presiding over, providing all the grace and the power and the transformative oomph to move on the teeter-totter in the right direction. But I can make myself into something that I really don't want to be, and God is tapping us on the shoulder continually. She, in this chapter, calls it wooing drawing. Mm-hmm. He's constantly tapping us on the shoulder of conscience and saying, that's really not the way you want to go because that will make you into the kind of creature you don't want to be. There's that great uh, quotation from C.S. Lewis where he says that every person you have ever met, if you could see what they would eventually become, given enough time, yeah. you would either be drawn to them or repulsed by them, drawn to them as a heavenly creature, or repulsed by them as a hellish creature, all of us are on a trajectory. Yes. That's the point. Yeah. And, and to use your illustration, which I really like, of the fulcrum or the teeter-totter, if you're kind of in the center, back to your illustration here, if you're kind of in the center and you just step a little bit over and then you come back to center and you're sort of doing this, you know, oscillating thing, back mm. and then back, <clears throat> it can feel not dangerous. Yeah. Right? Like it, And so, so the invitation... To not, for example, a little bit later, she's going to say, don't procrastinate, don't delay, don't wait. Because when we have that sort of, I can step over here and I can step back. And I can step over here and I can step back. It gives us the illusion of invincibility. That, no, I'm fine, I'm okay. But if you go a little bit and then a little bit more and then a little bit more, all of a sudden, as you say, that, that the pitch, right, the angle gets so steep that we find ourselves in a situation that we couldn't have imagined when we were just... Yeah. Playing games. Yeah, that's right. Teetering. Around. Okay. Okay. Yep. That's a good start. Okay. Then on the next page, and Ty, I'm just I'm just going to sort of move us along here, and you stop us at any point. Well, I want to stop us before we go past the first page and okay. simply define the word repentance. Okay. Or repent. This Please. is a important. This is Crucially the point important. of the chapter. So, so the word repent, and 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 she's always expository to scripture. Mm. So she she's not she's not making this stuff up. She's immediately in paragraph one quoting from Acts chapter 2, 
Right. And then she's, and 38. Yeah, and then she's quoting from Acts chapter 3. Yeah. So she, she's expounding on Scripture. The first word that Peter says in that sermon in Acts chapter 2 is repent. The word is metanoia, and it's, it's a, a term that simply means turn around and go the opposite direction. It means make a U-turn. It means do a 180. It just means you're headed this direction in your, your pattern of thinking, in, in, in the kinds of emotional processing that you're cultivating, mm. and in the way you're behaving toward people. You're headed in one direction. Repent is a word that says do a 180, flip a U-E, turn around and think and feel in the opposite direction, away from the direction that you were going. That's all the word means. Okay. It's a powerful word. It's an amazing word. It's an word. extremely extremely powerful word because it, it, it is so simple. Turn around and go the other direction. Flip a U-E. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so with that sort of working definition of repentance in mind, turn around. This is a chapter on how to turn around. How to turn around. How do we turn around? And here's a question, Ty. Is turning around something that we only do once? Or is turning oh, around man, something David. that we do over and over and over again? Over and over and over again. And, and this is a very crucial concept. Now, we're reading Steps to Christ, okay. and we're reading the chapter on repentance. Uh, you're going to read the book, Christ Object Lessons, at yeah, some, point? some point? of course. Okay, in that book, she deals with repentance, and she makes this statement that stuck in my mind early in my Christian walk that at every stage of our Christian journey, our repentance will deepen. Yes. Okay, so the deepening of repentance, right? So so is it a one-time thing? It's not a one-time thing. Mm -hmm. It's a continual process. Think of repentance as a process of turning. So, so for example, I'll use myself as an example, and everybody can relate to this in, in their own makeup as a human being. So, so I'm an extremely, I'm wired for intensity. I have a lot of energy that I can sometimes even feel hovering in my body. And that can be a pro because there are certain things about that that you can channel and, and, and you can use it to your advantage. But it also has a downside hmm. where you can, you can easily manifest intensity when something's not going the way you want it to go. So okay. you, that can be manifested in the form of impatience, for example, or, 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 or where you, you blurt something out that you can immediately see if you're paying attention is hurtful to the person. You can see their countenance change, right? Mm -hmm. So so this repentance idea got into my head mm. um, when I was like, you know, 18, 19, 20. And, and we, Sue and I, we had our first child. We had Amber. And she as she was growing up, um, I knew mm. that I had to engage in a relationship with my daughter which I had already engaged in with my wife, in, in which I could give her permission in some way to indicate to me, Daddy, you're doing it. Mm. You're, you're being intense. You're, you're, you're about to, you're, I can feel it, Dad. And I gave, I just gave, she could just poke me. Like if there's other people around, she doesn't want to jump up on the table and say, Dad, you. repent. Right. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. But she could say, repent, mm -hmm. repent. Little poke. Repent, repent. And those pokes got less and less as time went on. So I, I gave her permission to train me to weed out mm. from my personality and character what I knew would hurt her. That in my sober moments when I was conscious, I mean, sober, it's like not 
not from alcoholic, alcoholic, but yeah. like but a just in my, sobriety in, in, in your in more my, clear in, thinking in moments. In my clear thinking moments, I could give her that permission because this would happen to me instantaneously. So right. she would just poke me. Say, oh, and then I'd get a grip. Because <laughs> you would know what that I meant. Just know, I know it. Repent. Repent. And, and so you repent continually. It's a process. And, and the process of repentance gradually will alter things about you that eventually become non-existent. That doesn't mm. mean that they that doesn't mean that they Ooh, can't like they that. can't flare up again given circumstances or whatever, you know, exhaustion or 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 something. You're you're always going to be inclined to maybe revert to that if you allow yourself to. But you 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 mature through repentance out of things about yourself that you don't want to be true about you. Oh, that's beautiful. Well said. And I like the language that you use there, flare up. I, I used yesterday or the day before with Elise a rock climbing analogy. I'll use another one real quick. So I have had um, an inflammation in my elbows for many, many years. It's called medial epicondylitis, and it's basically an inflammation of the interior part of the elbow. It just comes from doing lots of climbing, lots of the same movement. And for years, this like plagued me, and I would get, you know, it would be seriously flaring up, and then I would have to take a month or more off of climbing. And then I figured out, I, I saw two amazing physical therapists that said, oh, you know, that can be fixed. And I was like, what, it can be fixed? Because I just thought, oh, this is something I have to live with. I mm. just have to live with mm. this now. And I started employing the things that they gave me that would fix it. And this is what's amazing. Over time, and it didn't just happen like that. You know, if you've, if you've a, a acquired a pathology or an injury or a personality that took you a while to get there, you don't just say, I repent, and then it's gone. Right. Right. Now, in some cases that can happen, but mm -hmm. for me, it took me a long time to get those elbow injuries. And then over time, I was able to completely rein them in so that, mm. so that they literally didn't bother me again. But occasionally, if I climb a little too hard or I pull at the wrong angle or I don't warm up sufficiently or I do two or three days hard when I should be taking a day of rest, they'll flare up. Mm. And that little flare up, what I call an awareness, alerts me, oh, wait a minute, you're, and yeah, then yeah. I can just get it right back under control. Mm. So when you use that language of flaring up, that's so true. When we are in the process of repenting, if we're sober-minded, that is to say, if we're thinking clearly, mm -hmm. when we begin to have those manifestations of, of the teeter-totter yeah. starting to tilt, we can go, wait a minute, I yeah. know how to manage this, I have repented, I will continue to repent, and we can yeah. rein it back in. Yeah, and not only do I know how to manage it, but sometimes I'm oblivious in the moment. So it is good mm -hmm. to have people mm -hmm. who who you trust and they love you and you can give people permission to poke you. Yeah. You know, in a kind of way to say, "Hey, uh, actually uh, Yeah. <laughs> no, well, that's good. Yeah. Okay, so Ty, on the next page, um Ellen White gives four examples of how not to repent. Esau, Balaam, yeah. Judas, and Pharaoh. Yeah. Um she basically to summarize her critique of these what look like maybe externally mm. repentant, she says, this isn't repentance because these people only altered their behavior because the consequences of the thing, yeah. not the actual thing itself. Yeah, an awful sense of condemnation and a fearful looking for of judgment is what caused Judas to say, oh, I, I better turn around. But he didn't turn around from the actual thing, mm -hmm. the actual sin. He turned around from the bad outcomes that he could intuit were coming, he yeah. could see, oh no, yeah. oh no, I'm in trouble. So repentance on the premise of I'm in trouble because of the consequences is different 
then repentance that is awakened and ignited in us because we see something outside of ourselves, not that's threatening, but that is beautiful. That's wooing. Something that's wooing. So this, this, is, where, this is where the Apostle Paul uh, tells us how repentance occurs. You can't self-generate it. You can't conjure it up. Okay, we'll get to that in just a second. Oh, okay. We'll get to that in just a second. Because it's going to come up in the course of the of the book, but it's important to recognize that the reason that Ellen White uses these four examples is to say, as she says right there at the start of uh, the paragraph, there are many who fail to understand the true nature of repentance. So by extension, what she's saying is true repentance may or may not have occurred if we see an alteration in behavior. You mm. might not even be able to tell if somebody has repented mm. if all you see ex externally is an, a, a change in behavior, mm. a turning from your previous course, that may or may not be because of biblical repentance. Yeah, well, back in the second paragraph of page one, okay. she says that repentance has at least two features, sorrow for sin and a turning away from it. Visually, you can see someone turning away from a behavior. You cannot assess or judge whether there's sorrow, sorrow. in the heart. Okay, excellent. Okay, then, and this is where I cut you off there, and let's come back to this. Then right at the bottom of page 37, she has this paragraph begins, but when the heart yields to the influence of the Spirit of God, the conscience will be quickened and the sinner will discern something of the depth and sacredness of God's holy law, the foundation of his government in heaven and on earth. And then she goes on to talk about, particularly with regards to Calvary, really. I mean, she says here, uh, jumping down a little bit further in that paragraph, conviction takes hold upon the mind and the heart. Uh, the sinner has a sense of the righteousness of Jehovah, feel, feels the terror of appearing in his own guilt and uncleanness before the searcher of hearts. He sees the love of God, the beauty of holiness, the joy of purity. He longs to be cleansed and to be restored to communion with heaven. Well, where mm. do we see the beauty of holiness, the love of God? Where do we see purity? So she's basically saying here, mm. the sorrow part, because you have the turning part and the sorrow part, the quickening of the conscience part, that is not something we can, and this is where you were going, we can't auto-generate that. No. How then is it generated? Well, later on in the chapter, okay. I don't know if you want me no, jump jumping ahead, ahead jump ever, ahead. but if you come to page... Oh, 41. Yeah, 41. She doesn't give the reference, but she quotes Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, okay. where in the first paragraph on that page, she, she quotes, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. That's Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Yeah. So, so... So think of how fabulous that is. Mm. It's not, it, it doesn't say the, the threats of God lead to repentance. Yeah. It says the goodness of God leads to repentance. So, so, so this is where back where we are on, on page 38, this is where she's calling our attention to the fact that, that, that God is looking to arouse in us, to stimulate in us repentance that is born of a vision of his love for us as manifested in Christ. So we see Calvary, we, we see how much God loves us, mm. and that love causes me to say, I don't want to do that anymore because that thing I'm doing caused that suffering to the one who loves me like that, right? If he loves me like that, I don't want to continue imposing pain and suffering on him, and we do in fact by sin, according to the book of Hebrews, mm. chapter six and verse ten, and chapter ten, we do crucify to ourselves afresh the Son of God and put Him to open shame before the universe. Mm. When we sin, it's hurtful, 
to the heart of God. Just like when, if I violate you in our relationship, if I sin against you, it smarts, it hurts. You feel it in your soul. Like, why did I do that to me? Yeah. Right? Well, God is hurt as well. When we see the love of God manifested at Calvary, mm. that love ignites in us a returning a returning current of love to him. And that love back to him is repentance. It's, hmm. it's a turning back to Beautiful. him. Ty, right at the bottom of page 39, after quoting from Psalm 32 and Psalm 51 extensively, Ellen White writes, a repentance such as this, that is to say a true repentance, hmm. a genuine repentance, that has both the sorrow for sin and the turning, a repentance such as this is beyond the reach of our own power to accomplish. It is obtained only from Christ who ascended upon high and has given gifts to men. So repentance is a gift. It's a gift. She has a point in here that is absolutely amazing. Go to the next page, page 40. Jump down to the paragraph that begins, the Bible does not teach. Go to the very last sentence there. We can no more repent without the Spirit of Christ to awaken the conscience than we can be pardoned without Christ. I mean, that's a, yeah, they're that on the is, same plane. That's as strong as that can be said. We can mm. be forgiven without the blood of Jesus just as easily as we can repent without the quickening of the Spirit. In other words, you can't. Yes. Yeah. And on this page, David, she goes a step further. And not only can we not generate repentance, we, we can't manufacture it. That's incredible enough. On this page, she says that we shouldn't view repentance as an obstacle, obstacle between the sinner and the Savior. So if if I don't have repentance, if I don't sense sorrow for sin and a turning away from it in me, she's explaining, don't wait until yeah. you feel sorrow for sin. Don't wait until you turn around. She's saying repentance is to be preceded by an encounter with Christ that will produce repentance because it's go. a gift from God. There so so go. don't wait until you till you feel sorry. Mm -hmm. Come to him even if you're not sorry. Yeah. You can literally be so straight up and honest with God. You can come to God and you can say, God, I'm not sorry. Wow. I actually wow. like that sin. I would like to do it again. There's something fundamentally broken inside of me, Lord. Mm -hmm. I want to do bad things, and I, I'm not sorry. Lord, could you make me sorry somehow? And he's going to immediately say, I will make you sorry by revealing to you my love for you as revealed in the sacrifice of my son at Calvary. Mm -hmm. And that vision of my love for you will ignite repentance inside of you. And Come before you repent. This is a supernatural transaction. Mm. That's the point, right? In the middle of the second paragraph, the one just above that, that begins, the Bible does not teach. She says, it is the virtue that goes forth from Christ that leads to genuine repentance. Mm. It reminds me, Ty, when we did the series on Galatians, one of the things that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia is he said, I'm, I marvel that you're turning away so quickly from what was obvious to you. And then he says, Speaking to the Galatians, he says, before whose eyes Jesus was clearly mm -hmm, portrayed mm -hmm. among you as crucified. Well, uh, Galatia is, of course, hundreds of miles away yeah. from Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified. But he's saying, when, when I preach and when you heard the gospel and when the mm. Spirit convicted you, you saw in a mm. supernatural transaction yeah. through the revelation of the, by the Spirit, of God by the Spirit, you saw it, you turned, don't turn back. Yeah. So this is supernatural. We can't generate that. Mm. And I really love your point. I think it's a hyper 
extremely practical point that we can be so forthright and so honest with God as to say, God, I'm not sorry for this. I know I should be. Yeah. Can and can I'm giving you permission, please make me sorrowful. Exactly, exactly. Reveal yourself to me so that I can have that genuine genuine repentance, that sorrow yeah, for yeah. sin. And she goes a step further. Not only, you guys, this is this is such a revelation of the beauty and goodness of God's character. What she develops on these two pages, not only can a human being not repent except as the virtue of Christ, the goodness of God, the love of God stimulates and pulls that repentance from us okay. by his love. But check this out. She goes on to explain that a human being can experience repentance and not even know that's what's happening to them. Yeah. We were talking about this before we turned the cameras on. Unpack that. Okay. So at the bottom of page 40, the last paragraph, the opening line, Christ is the source of every right impulse. Okay, let's just let's just think about this for a minute. So so she goes on to explain that a human being who begins to rectify things in their life, this is she's starts making relationships she, yeah, she, right. Yeah, and... she starts she's describing unbelievers. These are people who do not have a a conscious submission to Christ by name, and she's describing how a human being just begins to say, you know what, I I'm. I'm messing up my health. I'm going to start exercising. Mm. That impulse is from Jesus. Woo! I'm 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 not eating right. I'm about to give my sorry self diabetes. I'm going to correct that. She says that right impulse is from God. That's just on the on the physical plane of our own habits that are that are having impact on our health. Those right impulses are from Jesus. But more than that, when I begin to say, you know what? I just don't feel good at all about the pain I saw in my wife or my husband's eyes when they found out that I did X, whatever it is, or when I spoke to my child in a way that was painful. This person doesn't even name the name of Jesus. This person isn't necessarily, not necessarily, this person she's describing isn't going to church. They don't know God on mm. a conscious level by name, and yet they're experiencing right impulses. Something's raising up in them and saying, correct, this aspect of your life. That's from Jesus. Christ is the source. That's from Jesus. And so when a person is going in direction, they don't even know it's Jesus, mm. and they say, I'm going to fix that, and they turn around, they Hallelujah. start going the opposite direction. That's the definition of repentance, and whether they call it repentance or not, whether they know it's repentance or not, Jesus is the one who is producing that rectification of wrong things in their life. It's amazing. If you go to, so that's uh, at the bottom of page 40, Christ is the source of every right impulse. Go to the next page, top of page 41, this is 27 in the original. We'll just skip over that. There's some good stuff there. We'll come back to it. But just look at the next paragraph. It is true that men sometimes become ashamed of their sinful ways and give up some of their evil habits before they are conscious that they are being drawn to Christ. But whenever they make an effort to reform from a sincere desire to do right, it is the power of Christ that is drawing them. Right? I mean, this is unbelievable. An influence yeah. of which they are unconscious. Yeah, they don't even works know it's the Jesus. Soul, and the conscience is quickened and the outward life is amended. Christ draws them to look up. This is amazing because the point that Ty's making here should not be missed because we can sometimes think, oh, she's writing to religious people. She's writing to Christian people. Mm. She's Well, yeah, certainly the book is designed mm -hmm. to draw people closer and closer to Jesus, people like myself and yourself and many of those that are tuning in. But what she's saying here is that 
Anytime somebody has, as you've said, Ty, this impulse to, to rectify, to use her word, amend things yeah. in their life. Mm. And, and this, this, I want everybody to hear this. And I mentioned this to Ty upstairs before we turn the cameras on. When we take this view, this sort of large-hearted, magnanimous view of other people, mm. it allows us to see light everywhere. It allows us to see, to, to give mm. people the benefit of the doubt. It allows us to, to see people as people in whom and on whom yeah. the gospel is working. It's the ultimate optimism. I mean, you're, That's you're, a great way to say it. You're literally looking around and, and you're seeing somebody, you don't know if they're a believer or not, you've never met them before, but they're yeah. performing a kind act in public, Yeah. right? That is the work of the Spirit of Christ yes. in that person's life, prompting them in that direction. The other thing that this helps us to understand is that Jesus is literally actively engaged in pursuing literally every person that we ever come Hallelujah. in contact with. He's already there. Before we engage in any kind of relationship with anybody, Jesus is already there stimulating a desire for right, a longing for goodness and things to be rectified in their own life and in the world. I actually experienced this. Okay. Because I was raised with no knowledge of God or Christ or, or Scripture, and yet, as a little boy growing up and as a teenager, I had this, this unquenchable desire for certain things I could see around me to be rectified. Mm. I had a very high sense of justice. I wanted things to be right in the world. Well, it wasn't until, it wasn't until I was baptized, and in retrospect, I could look back and say, that was Jesus. That was the Jesus whole all time. along. Can the relate. whole time he was tapping me can on the relate. shoulder. I can totally relate to that. Looking back over your life and seeing there were there were moments in your life where you felt the impulse to say a certain thing or not say a certain thing, to behave in a certain way, that at the time you would have never attributed to Jesus because you weren't in that frame of mind. But looking back in retrospect, you can say, that was Jesus. Your teenager has a moment of clarity. They're in rebellion against God for all you can tell. Your 16-year-old your has a flash of sensitivity and says, I love you, Mommy. You say, thank you, Jesus, for getting into my kid's head and stimulating that desire. A person says, please. A person says, thank you. A person gives up their place in line. A person recedes in a situation so that somebody else can be benefited. All of that is the activity of Jesus in people's life, whether they know it's him or not. Hallelujah. And again, I, I know I've made this point, but I want to say it again. Friends, if you take this, this gospel view, this large-hearted, magnanimous view that God is working with everyone everywhere, it allows you to start to see through the lens, mm. not of criticism and of condemnation. Mm. You begin to see through the lens of the gospel and say, because, okay, now we're going to jump ahead a little bit here, because one of the points that Ellen White makes in this chapter, and it's amazing, is that God will draw every single person to himself that does not actively Bro, that resist. is my favorite page in the okay. book. Okay, where are we at? It's this, the very next page. Oh, this is page 42. Yep. This is page 42. Listen to this, you guys. Listen to this. Underline this. Put stars and, and, and clouds around this if you have to. <laughs> the sinner may resist this love may refuse to be drawn to Christ. But if he does not resist, he, he will be drawn, drawn to Jesus. Woo! Come on now. What? What? There's like this constant gravitational pull to Jesus yes. that is being exerted yes. on everybody yes. all the time. And, and if you don't resist, 
You're going to come to Jesus. I like to say it this way sometimes. Everybody who loves love will eventually fall into the arms of Jesus and say, so that was you. (laughs) That was you, Jesus. That was you the whole time stimulating in me this desire to love my children well, even before I knew your name, to love my husband, my wife, my friend well. I've heard you say, Ty, that, that eternity is for lovers. That's right. Only the lovers live forever, bro. <laughs> and that would include you. That yeah. would include Amen. me. <laughs> Amen. Um, I, I love this idea that there is a gravitational pull mm. on everybody that has to be consistently, persistently, stubbornly, resisted. rebelliously resisted. Yeah. And only then will you be lost. You could say it this way. The only way for a human being to be eternally lost is if you persistently demand that you be lost until you become so much like your sin that it is your identity and you can't get back. Yeah. On that same page there, Ty, we're on page 42 now. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but but Ellen White uses a number of words here that I wanted to ask you about, Ty, because I, I know you do a series or did a series on this. But just listen to a few of these sentences here. I'm in the paragraph that begins, the same divine mind. This is a uh, Sort of the top of page 42, 28 in the original pagination. The same divine mind that is working upon the things of nature is speaking to the hearts of men and creating an inexpressible craving for Mm. something they have not. Next sentence. The things of this, uh, the things of the world cannot satisfy their longing. Mm. Jumping down a little bit further. Let him who thirsts come, quoting from Revelation 22, 17. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Next paragraph. You who in heart long for something better than this world can give, recognize this longing as the voice of God to your soul. Okay, all this language here, Ty. Mm. Desires, thirsts, longing, craving. Mm. What's going on here? What? What? Why all of this language? This is the language of desire. Jesus said those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. So, th- yeah, this is absolutely phenomenal because all of this craving and longing and desire, um, all those words can be capitalized. Okay. Because they're a person according to according to scripture. The desire yeah. of ages. Jesus is the capital D desire of all ages, of all nations, one version says. This is, this is quoting from the prophet Haggai. This is, by the way, you did the book Desire of Ages. Yep. I did some of it with you. That's where Ellen White got the title for the book Desire of Ages is from a prophecy in the Old Testament where Jesus is called the desire of of all people, if they knew what they wanted, they'd put a name to it, and the name would be Jesus, right? So, 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 so we have before us a God named Desire, essentially. Hmm. God bears the name Desire. God, who are you? Well, well, I'm Yahweh. God, who are you? I'm the bread of life. God, who are you? I am Desire itself. Hmm. If you knew, if you knew what you really wanted at the deepest level of your wanting you would know that you want me. And the reason you want me is because I want you. Hmm. So we're constantly, we're constantly under the influence. And this is remarkable to me. I I put inordinately large exclamation points next to everything (laughs) you read before you read it. Yeah. And we didn't compare notes on this. I was just like, wham, wham, wham with exclamation points because look at this. The same divine mind, you read this, that is working upon the things of nature 
is speaking to the hearts of men and creating an inexpressible craving for something they have not. Yeah. So, so, so you look at the laws of nature. You look at the law of gravity, for example. Hmm. You, you look at all the laws of physics. You look at the planets in their orbit, yeah. and, and you're seeing that there is some kind of power that is sustaining and holding it all in place and in proper relation to all the other parts, right? In him, Co all things consist. In, in him, all things cohere, all things consist. If the moment God takes one baby step back from physical creation, it collapses it, it imploses. in on itself, right? That's right. So the same power that we witness in creation, the same power that's keeping it all in place, is also stimulating continually desire, longing, and craving in the human heart for something better than what they experience. And anything this world has to offer Woo. is in no way comparable to what we find in the person of Christ. To, to quote Lewis again, it's that, and I actually mentioned this earlier on in the SC with DA readings, you know, uh, creatures are not born with desires unless the satisfaction for those desires exists. A duckling wants to swim. There is water. A baby wants food. There is milk. Uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, he says, but yeah. if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation says, I was made for another world. I was made world. for another yeah, world. That's right. And the language she uses here taps into that sort of ineffability because she calls it an inexpressible craving. Yeah. That there is a yeah. longing in all of our hearts. You we can't wrap words around it. Exactly. Yeah. That there's a there's an, an an ethereal nature to it where we 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 long for justice, mm. we long for meaning, we long for purpose, we long yeah. for love, and that longing and that craving and that desire, all of that she's saying, yeah, is Jesus. Jesus yeah. is wooing, Jesus is drawing. Yeah. Since you mentioned Lewis, <laughs> I'll, I'll throw another word on the table. Okay, let's hear. Now uh, he he understood the very thing that we're talking about as manifest in the quote that you just that you just referenced. And so he formed a, a little club of people who all believed this, and the club was called the Inkalines. The Inkalines. Right. So there's this inkling that we have, like, like a silent tap on the shoulder of your mind. Mm. There's an inkling, and you experience that inkling, Lewis would explain, like when you see beauty in the world, like you see beautiful flowers. There's an inkling. There's a little tap inside of you. You were made for that kind of beauty. Yeah. You, you see children playing and laughing with one another in their innocence and enjoying one another's company, and you experience an inkling. You experience a little tap inside that says, ah, ah, ah. you were made for that kind of innocence. You were made to be like those children are, right? Everything. You, we just had amazing Puerto Rican food. You, 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 you smell. <laughs> it's true. You we did. smell that Puerto Rican food. Thank you, Bernice. Yes. And 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 you you take a bite, and it's delicious, and the flavors dance all over your taste buds, and you're like, oh, this is so good. Tap tap tap. It's an inkling inside your mind saying, oh, you think this is delicious? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wait Beautiful. until, wait until Jesus himself girds himself, washes your feet, and serves the meal to you. It's going to be amazing. Mm. Uh, my son today, Landon, he sent me and the whole family, we have a little group text. He sent a pie chart, uh, a comparison of two pie charts. He said, Dad, I really like this. And he's getting ready to preach at Southern for the uh, Student Week of Prayer. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm really excited. So he sent this really interesting, it was a pie chart, and it said like, schoolwork, um, recreation, sleep, uh, time with girlfriend, 
and then time with God, right? So they were all sort of divided up into these varying sizes of little pies, right? And then he said verses, and then it was a pie chart that had all of those same things on it. So work, sleep, mm. study, time with girlfriend. But there wasn't one of the little pie charts that said time with God. At the top, it said time with God. Uh, all of those exactly. activities. Exactly. All of those activities so, equate to time so, with so God. So time with God. That's brilliant. It's it's absolutely brilliant. That's amazing. Yeah, so it's not that... I'll definitely be plagiarizing be plagiarizing that. <laughs> yes. That is Our good. time with God is not one uh, of the little pie charts. Uh, Our time with God is all of the things that we do. And, and what made me think of that, Ty, was your inkling thing. Mm. That, that in everything that is good and beautiful and proper and right and innocent, there is an inkling, a whisper, an invitation yeah. from God yeah. that, hey, this is a reflection of me. This, too, is a reflection of me. This is a reflection of me. Mm, all of mm. this is wooing. So you can see now, Ty, why she says... <laughs> yeah. That in order to be lost, you have to resist this. Yeah, you have to say no repeatedly and with with just rebellion. Over and yeah. over and over you, and I over didn't over know where you were going when you started that. You know what I thought you were going to say? No. Because we were talking about all these beautiful things like flowers and Puerto Rican food, right? Yeah. I thought you were going to say his pie chart said, you know, time with girlfriends, school, sleep, and Puerto Rican food. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say. No. Just what not that great? That the title at the top yeah. of the pie chart is Time with God. Because oh. our whole life yeah. is God. All of the good things, beautiful tasting food, good friendship, yeah. beautiful music, yeah. uh, 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 two little puppies playing, whatever. All of those things yeah. is an invitation. God is trying to, God is getting the attention of the world. It's time. fabulous. I just love it. Okay. We can gotta I, press can, along before, here. Before you press yep, yep, along, yep. can I just bring okay, so the, the concept, the principle that we just kind of you know built out from the statements that we've read here about God working on every human heart and giving light and stimulating desire and longing and all that, right? Yep. And and that people can experience repentance and not even know that that's what they're experiencing. Yep. And not 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 credit Jesus with that desire for making things right. Check this out. Okay. It goes all the way through for some people to the new heavens and the new earth. Okay. Un unpack so, that. so they wake up on resurrection morning mm. and they meet Jesus for the first time. And it's something like this. This is kind of a simplistic way to say it, but it, it's true to the reality. They wake up on resurrection morning. They see this beautiful being. He says, hi, I'm Jesus Christ, your Savior. And they say, am, am I in the wrong place? I wasn't, I don't remember believing in you. And Jesus will say something to them like, actually, you did? <laughs> actually, you did believe in me, but you didn't know it was me right. because you believed in the desires and longings and cravings that I was constantly stimulating in your heart, right? Yeah. And you kept saying yes to righteousness, yes to goodness, yes to love. You kept saying yes to me and you didn't even know it was me. Pleased to meet you. Amazing. By name for the first time. Pleased to meet you. I, I spent, uh, I went into the local canyon here and spent a few hours rock climbing today with a couple fellas that, um, really nice guys. One's name was Levy and the other's name is Alex. I climbed with Alex quite a little bit. Levy I just met today and we had a lovely time climbing. And at, at one point in, when we were climbing, we were climbing up this boulder that was actually quite scary if you fell off the top. Fortunately, none of us fell off the top. But he said something very interesting. We started talking about a, another climber and he said, oh yeah, that guy's that guy has the protection of God. That's what he said. This is what Levy oh, said. Oh, man. He said, man, that guy's got the protection of God because he's a local climber. He's a very good, strong climber, and he's a Christian. 
He's a devout, well-known Christian. Now, here's the thing that I think is so cool. That guy's reputation precedes him such that today Levy was <laughs> like, yeah, if he fell, his name is Nick. If Nick fell off the top of this God will catch him. <laughs> he would be fine. And, and it was just so fascinating because these guys know who I am and, and they know the kinds of things that I believe and that I'm into. Not everything, but they know that, oh, he's a Christian guy. But it was just so fascinating to spend time around. I love these guys. They're both lovely. I've spent a lot of time with Alex. To hear the way that even people that might not self-identify as, mm. I'm a Christian, and I'm not saying that either of them would or wouldn't, but the way that people talk about Jesus is mm. almost always positive. Yeah. They might not talk about the church positively. They might not talk about Christians positively. They might yeah. not talk about religion positively. Right. But man, people like Jesus. Yeah. What about that bumper sticker? Hmm. It, the bumper sticker that says, Jesus called the other day, said he wants his religion back. <laughs> so that is that is the culture right. distinguishing between Jesus and the misrepresentation of Jesus in bad religion, right? Great point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When you were talking about those desires, those cravings, and God is wooing, I thought to myself, I was just hanging out today with two guys, and the way that one in particular, Levy, was talking about Jesus, it was it was humorous, it was funny, and it was positive. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because Jesus is beautiful. Jesus Who doesn't awesome. like Jesus? <laughs> um, Ty, where are you going? Top of page 46. I'm oh, you, man, you, you just went way. Did I go too far? Oh, no. What did okay. I miss? What did I miss? Oh, yeah, you're right. I missed uh, anything quickly on 44 and 45. Um, well, I think, I think on page 44, it's important to point out in the first paragraph, the soul thus touched with hate... Or will the, hate. The, the, the soul thus touched will hate its selfishness, abhor its self-love. I think it's important to realize that, that, that the activity of Jesus in our hearts produces both a longing for good things, but it also stimulates a hatred for bad things. Okay. So, so when a human Let's being, talk about that. Yeah, so when a human being, uh, for example, encounters in uh, the public forum, in, in you know, the news that for example, you know, child trafficking. Okay. If, if, if the average person, whether they name the name of Christ or not, is abhorred by that, Disgusted that is the it. activity of God in their soul saying, yeah, that, that's a hateful thing. You should hate that, right? Mm -hmm. so, so, so when politicians pathologically lie and, and people are like, man, you can't trust these guys, right? That discernment that the way they're doing politics is repulsive and their dishonesty is antithetical to the way it ought to be done. That too is the activity of Jesus in people's hearts in general saying, that's bad, that's wrong. Don't go that direction. So he's, he's, he's pointing in the direction of beauty and goodness and he's pointing away from all of that nonsense, all of that evil, right? So we could say so like you this, abhor it. we could say that God is not only creating a taste but yeah, he's also yeah. creating a distaste. That's right. Yeah, that's a really great point, that not only are we drawn by many of those things that we talked about, yeah. the innocence of two children laughing, there is a drawing toward those things that we were designed to crave, that we right. were designed to thirst for, but there is a, a revulsion yes. toward things that are abusive, harmful, oppressive, and that revulsion, that abhorrence, mm. is the activity of Jesus on the heart. Yeah, yeah. She, she, on these two pages, and, and it bleeds over into the next two pages, she also points out 
um, that God does not regard all sin as of equal magnitude, but all sin is of the same essential character. Okay. So, so she, she develops this idea that I think is pretty amazing, that all sin at its core is selfishness, right? It's the same in essence, but it's not the same in magnitude. So there, there, there are you know, things that are, are more destructive than other things. And she distinguishes it's all super bad at the even the low end, it's rebellion against God. But the low end, rebellion against God, at the high end, it's the Holocaust. Mm. You know, it's it, it's horrific evil. Taking away God-given life. Yes. Somebody just put in the, the chat there I saw over on the video, distaste equals, you can see it there, enmity. Exactly right. Mm, yeah, yeah, when the yeah. Bible talks about the carnal mind is enmity against God, and what is that, Romans 8? Uh, exactly. Mm. That, that you can just think of it as a, we are acquiring a taste. Yes. Our life mm. is an opportunity to acquire a taste. Uh, years ago, um, I've, I'm not a beer drinker. I've been a straight-edge kid since I was very young. Hmm. Uh, straight edge means I, I wasn't a drinker, but I, I did drink beer one or two times when I was quite young. And I was like, this is disgusting. It's, yeah. it's just so disgusting to which, you know, the invariable reply is what? It's an acquired taste. Yeah, you have to drink it for 45 years before it <laughs> tastes good. <laughs> it's an acquired taste. Yeah, I, We actually had a guy that lived in our home. He was a Bible worker. Josh Newbegin, great guy. Remember Josh? Josh mm -hmm. Newbegin, yeah. surfer guy with the dreadlocks. Yeah, yeah. And he was uh, he was a connoisseur of non-alcoholic. He's like these boutique European non-alcoholic beers. So he, and he liked the flavor. He of just it. liked it, and he would yeah. drink it. And he's lying. So he <laughs> <laughs> well, so he ta he talked me into trying one. So he like popped a cold one open, and I popped a cold one open. And it tasted so bad to me. I, I, I don't know. I don't have a, the, the taste buds for that. And then I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity. So my boys came in, Landon and Jabel. They would have been like in their early teens at the time. I said, boys, you want to see what beer tastes like? They're like, dad, we don't drink beer. I said, no, this is not alcoholic. And they were like, they just got that taste of like, blah, blah. So here's my point. My point is there are things that are initially distasteful to us. Don't acquire a taste for those. Don't things. even. Acquire and I'm not a even talking Don't about even beer. Acquire a taste though, for though it. you shouldn't acquire a taste for beer. But but there are things like like violent movies, right? Like you can acquire a taste for things that if you saw in real life, you would be completely repulsed by. Yeah. Right. Like they just had these terrible murders that took place in Moscow, Idaho. Right. An actual human being went into a house and killed four other human beings, and we are all completely. Yeah. You know, we, we are repulsed by that. We, this is so disgusting. And they caught him. It looks like they've, they've caught the guy. But the point is, then don't make that your entertainment. Mm, exactly. Right? Like, don't make, don't make yeah. that your entertainment. And this is just one example of we are either creating a taste for the things of mm. God, for the mm. things of heaven, for the things of love, yeah. for the things of beauty and of truth, or we are acquiring a taste for the antithesis of mm. that, the mm. opposite of that. Yeah. And we can incrementally acquire yeah. a taste yeah. that will either, I mean, we're going to a place here where Ellen White's going to describe that those that acquire these tastes, to use one analogy or our other analogy, resist, 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 resist. She literally says, those people destroy themselves. Yeah. She says it. She says, they destroy themselves. Yeah, not biologically necessarily, although that's true to some degree yeah. too. Great but, but they're destroying themselves on the inside. They're destroying, again, 
I'll come back to this word capacity. They're destroying their taste or their capacity yeah. for good things. I was having dinner with a, a big group of people one time, and I didn't know the woman who was seated next to me. But when they brought dessert, it was just, you know, fresh cut strawberries, just a bowl of beautiful, red, juicy strawberries. I love it. And she said, you can have mine. I said, really? I mean, I liked having hers. <laughs> <laughs> I what said, kind of a lunatic would give somebody yeah. else their fresh strawberries? Yeah, I, 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 you sure you don't want them? And she said words that, that actually gave me pain. It hurt me to hear these words. She said, I would like to, but I can't even taste them. And I didn't pry beyond that. And later on, she whispered at me, man, it was the smoking. So she the had smoking. smoked. She had been smoking cigarettes for years and years and oh, years and years it. and years. And she couldn't taste the subtle sweetness of the strawberry. strawberries or any fruit. I That's can't, a great I example. Can't, of I can't derive any pleasure from a bowl of strawberries. Well, okay, let's use another example. How about pornography? How about that we are in a that mm. we are in a time right now, Ty, culturally, where just, just okay, just step away from the spiritual aspect. Step away from that. There are sociologists and psychologists that are looking at this mass experiment that we're performing right now with the pornification of culture and one of the effects that this is having this is this is a little bit you know adult here and so bear with me on this mm. there are men particularly those that have been basically raised on internet pornography mm. who do not know how to be with an actual flesh and blood woman well they, they can't they, even perform right because they can't they they've been so corrupted by the wrong thing they've right. developed a taste for the thing that's not the actual thing yeah. that when they're presented with a thing, they're, they're, there's an people are actually having sex less today than they were in the 1960s and 70s. In their 20s Correct. and 30s. Bro, this is so sad. There is this phenomenon where couples are having to watch pornography while having sex in order to, to be, be able to perform sexually because the actual human being in front of them isn't sufficient Correct. to stimulate the sexual organs. So this it's, is a, it's just scary, isn't it? This is a great example of like the cigarettes and the strawberries analogy. When we when we develop a taste for something that is not for our benefit, it actually does not enlarge our capacity. It to shrinks appreciate, our capacity. It shrinks our capacity to appreciate mm. and understand and experience the things that God made for our good. Exactly. Exactly. Woo. Okay. So, Ty, right there on... Um, Where are you at? Where are you at? I just want to point out on page 46, uh, 46 of the original, or 46 of ours and 32 of the original. There's the paragraph, but let none deceive... Well, let me just go up to the... Right at the top of that page. Last couple sentences there from the previous paragraph. There is help for us only in God. We must not wait for stronger persuasions, for better opportunities, or for holier tempers. We can do nothing of ourselves. We must come to Christ just as we are. You can't come to Jesus as you aren't. You can only come as you are. That's you can right. only come to Jesus yeah. as you are because Jesus sees through all of the veneers. He sees through all mm. of the facades. He sees through all of the performance. Mm. So you, we can come to one another as we aren't because you don't know yeah. what's going on in my heart. Yeah. But we can't come to God as we aren't yeah. because God sees us perfectly and exhaustively. He knows us inside and out. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Yeah. We can only come to God as we are. So don't yeah, delay yeah. is what yeah, she's yeah. saying. What, what, one author, that just triggered something in me. Uh, one author, I think it was William James, said that every time two people meet, there are actually six people present. We, I did in the supplemental session that I did yesterday with Elise, she quoted this. 
She did. She quoted it. Okay. She quoted it. So just I think it's William James. It is William James, but okay. I need to work on that supplemental session and I'm not sure I can fix it. So just tell us the point about So right now Ty and I are sitting here. Two people. And if if we get the supplemental session up with Elise, if I can get it working, then you'll hear this twice. But if not, you'll only hear it this one time. So right now there's two people. Yeah. But actually this there's guy six. says there's six people yeah. right here. There's there's the person that I think I am and the person you think you are. That's two. Yeah. There's the person you think I am, and I think you are. That's two more. That's four. And then there's the person you actually are, and the person I actually am. That God alone sees us as we actually yeah. are. Six, six people present. Okay, what's the takeaway on that? The takeaway on that is that we don't know ourselves. And so, so we should not wait until we figure things out right. and can come to God with some kind of facade, some kind of veneer, some kind of charade. Right. God knows ex he alone sees us exactly as we are. So we come to Jesus just as we are, even though we don't even ourselves know exactly how truly deeply messed up we are. We bring all our messed upness mm. to Jesus, and he's the one that begins to change and to rectify everything that is wrong in us until we gradually, according to scripture, David, when we come to Jesus, something remarkable happens, you guys. We begin, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we begin to see as we are seen and know as we are known by God. We don't know ourselves. God does, but we come closer and closer to him. She points out that as we, as we encounter God's love, we see our selfishness by contrast. Woo! Right? We see our sin more glaringly. We repent. We see, we repent. We see, we repent in that incremental process of repentance, right? And our repentance deepens until we finally do actually know ourselves as God knows us. This is why the Christian, the committed Christian, is the greatest realist in the world, mm. right? Because we want to move beyond deception, beyond the veneer, beyond the facile and the perfunctory to the actual thing as it is, mm. And the way that we get access to that is through Scripture. It teaches us how to see ourselves. It teaches us how to see others. It teaches us how to see the world around us. It teaches us how to see God. And apart from this yeah. lens correction device, this recalibration device, we will find ourselves awash right. in a, a, a world of mirrors, like the house of mirrors that's overseen and superintended mm. by the God of this mm. world mm. who has blinded the minds yeah. of people to what's actually yeah. happening in the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even now, in the in the minutes that we've spent together, we see others more clearly than we have before. The person that we're buying our groceries from, the Uber driver, whoever, anybody that we're doing any transaction with, now, from what we've learned tonight, we see that each of those people, every good impulse that arises in them is the work of Jesus are, in their life. They are and we under, see them optimistically. They we see them under, positively. They are under the influence of Christ. They are. Hallelujah. Okay, so tie on the next page, page 47. Beware of procrastination. Do not put off the work of forsaking your sins. And this ties in with what you were just saying. We all have this sense of invincibility because we have noticed that everybody else has died and we have not died. And when <laughs> we you know, we, we, I've noticed that. <laughs> I've noticed that I have not died. Others around I've me I'm have alive. died, but I have not died. Mm. And that creates in us a sense of invincibility. Now, those that have been very mm. sick, close to death, and have felt their own sort of human fragility are maybe, you know, sort of uh, inoculated from this. But for the rest of us, 
we can kind of have a sense of invincibility. Yeah. Like maybe when you get into your 70s and 80s and you know just statistically and chronologically I'm proximate to death, but when you still have your strength and mm. you can run and you can walk and you can think clearly and you can rock climb or do whatever you want to do. Mm. So, so the language here, the invitation here to not procrastinate, to not put off the work of forsaking your sins is an invitation to not assume that you are invincible because yeah. you're not. You're mortal, which literally means you're subject to death. And this isn't to scare us. Mm. This is, again, the Christian realism. To be aware that today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day to behold the Lamb of God because there are no promises. There are no guarantees tomorrow about this life. Mm. Now, if we put our faith in Jesus, there is the promise of eternal yeah, life. Yeah. But the invitation here, no, no, no. The exhortation to not procrastinate is one that we all need to take very serious. Mm. Down on the bottom of page 47, this is remarkable to me. Sin, however small, however small, David, it doesn't matter how mm. little we estimate it to be. Sin, however small it may be esteemed, can be indulged in, indulged in only at the peril of infinite loss. What we do not overcome will overcome us and work out our, our destruction. destruction. That's right. Sin is not to be trifled with. No. If, Run. If two times in this chapter she uses the phrase, the enormity of sin, mm. two times, and she invites us to understand and to apprehend the enormity of sin, and in both cases she says, behold the Lamb of God. Can, behold can the I, Lamb of God. Yes. Can I jump ahead yep. to something that is parallel to that concept? Yep. On the bottom of page 47, she quotes on page 49 of, of this book, she quotes this 34 Proverbs, in the original yeah, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 22, the sinner is caught in the cords of his sin. So this is an interesting illustration because what is a cord mm. but a bunch of smaller strands that have been woven together, right? So if you if you picture Oh, that's you know, a great yeah, point. Yeah, you picture, you know, a grown wow, man a good with his arms to his side and you and you have a spool of thread. Mm -hmm. Thread. And you wrap one, one wrapping, is that a word? Yeah, yeah, one, one, one orbit, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> you go around his body one time with the thread and he can easily break it. No problem. Two times he can break it. Three times he can break it. 20 times he's like, he can break it. You go around that brother 100 times and that thread is that now a thread. cord. That thread is it's a cord. It's a cord and he can't break free. So this is what we were talking about Great earlier, right? That every time you commit a sin, you predispose yourself to commit that sin again more easily. It is becoming a part of your makeup, right? Until finally you can't break free from it because it is stronger than you. Hmm. Yeah, back it's to dangerous a, business. Listen, back to a climbing illustration. The climbing ropes that we use are, they look like a single rope. They're not. They're made up of hundreds of small strands that you could fairly easily break with your hands, you're, you don't trust your life to a single strand. You trust yourself to these hundreds of strands that are all wrapped together in a cord or a rope that yeah. looks like a single strand. This is a great, I've never in all of my years of reading this book, this is a gem for me, Ty, that's new. Mm. The language of cord mm. versus thread. That, that we, what is it, Proverbs 5.22 is caught on the cords of his sin. I will never forget this. Mm. That is such a gem. God gave you that. That that when we, the one wrap, okay, sure, you can break that. Mm. And you can easily, back to our teeter-totter illustration. You take right. one step, you can quickly step back. 
Yeah. And set back. But if you take numerous steps, you can't get back. Can't if you get, get numerous wrappings of the thread, it, you, you can't break out. Only by the supernatural power of Jesus. Of course, yeah. it's all only by the supernatural yeah. power of Jesus. But as we increase our taste for the things that we... We're using a lot of different metaphors here. But that can only become a supernatural... Mm -hmm. Like the woman that didn't like the strawberries. Right. God can heal that, but that's going to have to override nature. It's yeah. going to be a miracle to fix yeah, that. Yeah, and God does perform miracles. And if we have God. so bound ourselves mm. with the cords of various and sundry addictions or tastes that we weren't supposed to develop, only God can come in and break those cords. Mm, mm. Whoo, come on now. Okay, um, Ty, I know you have something. Okay, wow, we're moving kind of slow. No, no, oh, we're actually doing all right. We're doing all right. Doing 49, an hour. 49 an minutes? An hour and 21 How minutes. How long have they been going? About 10 more minutes. About this much time. But Ty. David, hurry up, bro. <laughs> hurry up. I'm what are trying. you waiting for? I'm trying, I'm trying. Ty, I know you have something for me here on page 49 because before we came down, you said, David, I want to talk to you about italicization. Oh, yeah. What do you got for me? Okay, so there's, there's two We're on the words. Middle of page 49. This is 34 of the original yeah, imagination. There's, there's two words that, that Ellen White in the original italicized, okay. and that italicized means to emphasize. You want okay. those words to pop in your under understanding, and uh, those two words are desire and will in the middle of page Can I read 49. that whole paragraph? Yeah. Christ is ready to set us free from sin, but he does not force the will. And if by persistent transgression, there it is, mm -hmm. persistent transgression, the will itself is wholly bent on evil, and we do not Desire. desire to be set free if we italicized will, will not accept his grace what more can he do yeah we have destroyed ourselves by our here's another synonym determined rejection of his love and then she goes on to quote second corinthians 6 2 and hebrews 3 7 behold now mm. is the accepted time behold now is the day of salvation mm. today if you will hear his voice do not harden your hearts okay time yeah, yeah why is the word desire and the word will italicized here i think it's the only italics in the whole chapter yeah it is yeah why are these words well she's emphasizing this because if you remember back at in the first few pages she's she's working from the premise of desire she she she's saying that jesus is constantly in the process of stimulating a desire for goodness and right and light and truth and love right yeah constantly stimulating cravings inside of us and and what she's doing now is she's saying that if you if you are bent toward evil, if you keep moving in that direction, you're 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 changing something in yourself. Mm. So that so that earlier in the chapter she's saying there's this desire for goodness, desire for light, desire for love. What if you got to the place she's saying here where you don't even desire love, righteousness, justice? truth anymore. What if you actually prefer lies? What if you actually prefer perversion? Mm. What if you actually prefer yep. sadistic relational dynamics that make people wince and hurt? Whereas whereas at, at, at first, when you caught yourself being unkind to somebody, it was a little stab of pain in your heart and you felt conviction like, wow, I, I shouldn't treat people like that. You can get to the place where you actually take pleasure in somebody else's pain. I mean, think about that. You can actually get I mean, to that the is place. sadism. You can get to the place where you actually are like, yeah, take that. And you just don't give a rip. You the, don't care. The Bible. So, so you need to guard your desire mechanism. Your wanter. Your wanter. 
I'm glad you brought that up. I love that 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 illustration unpack from Proverbs. That. Unpack that. A well, in bit. Proverbs, you know, Solomon is saying, you know, wisdom is the principal thing or the main thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all your getting. So this is the idea that, that the human being is equipped with a getter. This is a psychological phenomenon. It's a faculty. It's called desire or want. You want certain things. Yeah. And 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 our wanter as sinners is broken, which is to say we're bent toward sin. We're bent toward iniquity. We're bent toward selfishness. Yeah. If, if left to ourselves, we'll just slide into the eternal abyss of selfishness. And this is what she's talking about when she says that, that you end up destroying yourself. In another book, this same author says, everyone who is destroyed destroys himself. Correct. Well, well, it's not speaking strictly of like the physical person, hmm. right? Fire will come down from God out of heaven and devour the, the physical, biological stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But before a person is eternally annihilated, Physically, they are internally annihilated by say, their series of choices, yeah. right? A kind of destruction precedes the physical destruction. Exactly. And, and it's emotional. Like, like an emotion, for example. An emotion is a fragile thing. Mm. So you, 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 you're always in the process. I'm always in the process of dealing with fragile emotions that if, if you exercise them, they become less and less fragile and more and more a permanent part of your identity. But but if you toy with positive emotions, like like for example, sympathy. Okay. When when you when you when you 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 see, for example, um, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, you probably have, where you're driving down the road and and a mere little tiny creature, a chipmunk, a, a, a little squirrel juts out in the road. And you're willing to risk your whole life <laughs> to not run over that beautiful little creature. Something in you says, no, don't, yeah, don't, gotcha. don't. And then if you, that thump, you feel horrible, don't you? You feel like the sick feeling, oh no, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if you do that kind of thing over and over and over again, you just don't care anymore. And that's a simple illustration for the fact that if you, if you, Sin over and over and over again, you become insensitive to the impact that it's having on others. And you just become a reckless individual who just quite frankly, you don't care how yeah, you become you're, you're the Bible says past feeling. Paul yeah, you're writing you says just those that care. are past feeling. Yeah. Whose conscience is seared with a hot iron. Yeah. Imagine that. Past feeling. This is this is Ephesians chapter four for those who want to look it up. Past feeling? Right. You do oh, you do not. I do not want to get to the place where I'm past sensitive emotions. I want to be able to feel bad when I do something wrong, right? Mm -hmm. I want to hate the thing. I want to turn from it. But this is a warning here that you can get to the place where you begin to desire evil. Mm. You, you can break your will. You can break your own capacity for doing what's right. Bottom of page 50, 35 of the original, right down at the end of the chapter here, paragraph begins, as you see the enormity of sin, as you see yourself as you really are, do not give up to despair. It was sinners that Christ came to save. We needed to hear that. We after need to hear that. After everything we were just talking about, about how sin is so dangerous mm -hmm. and, and destructive, we needed we needed this, this hope right here. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Jesus is 
the Savior, and he saves. He Amen. liberates from bondage, right? I, I, over and over again, um, I've had conversations with young men and young women who feel like, you know, I've crossed a line, mm. you know? I, I, can't, I can't get back. And, and, and I explain to them, you can't get back. You can't. And yet you can. You can. If left to yourself, you can't get back. But Jesus is wooing, drawing you to himself. The moment you say yes to Jesus, even if your yes is a whimpering, fragile, weak, frail yes, mm. right? The moment you say yes, he yes. then begins to nurture and grow that yes into a resounding yes. And everything beautiful and good and all the capacities for righteousness begin to be rebuilt inside of you. You can literally, Beautiful. I said this to a young lady recently who's just broken about the fact that she has has had multiple sexual partners and she feels like, will I ever be able to, to actually fall in love with somebody and get married and have an experience uh, where I could experience sexuality as a pu pure thing, right? Mm. And, and I explained to her a concept that I, I said to her, you can actually become a born-again virgin. Yeah. You know, scripture literally says that all of us are whores. Mm. All of us as human beings, sin is likened throughout the scripture to infidelity. Sexual infidelity. Yeah, all of us, all of us have been morally promiscuous in our relationship with God by living against him and choosing other loves, yeah. right? And, and, and yet mm. scripture promises that that those who in, inhabit the e eternal kingdom in Revelation chapter 14 will be those who are not defiled with women. Mm. This is a metaphor for the fact that Jesus restores a pristine, innocent virginity to human morality on all levels, not just on the sexual level, right. but that's included. We, we can be completely restored and healed. Hallelujah. To our virgin state of innocence. Innocence. Okay, Ty, on that note, let's go to our rubric here. This has been a great conversation. And, and what's amazing about this is that we could pass back over this chapter and just highlight different things than we've highlighted at this point and do that whole hour and a half again. Yeah, and say nothing that we've said. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so Ty, um, let's just start with what for you was the point of this chapter? Well, there are a lot of great points, but the one that stood out to me is don't resist and you will be drawn. Excellent. Don't, don't resist. Because that point comes up several times yeah. in the chapter. Don't resist. Don't resist, and, and you will be drawn to Jesus. Okay, here's what I wrote. For me, the point was to urge the reader, myself, to look to Jesus, to behold the Lamb of God, that we may understand the enormity of sin and turn from it. Two times, at least, in this chapter, she's kind of talking about repentance, she's talking about the enormity of sin, and then she just says, she just like blurts it out. She's done it already back in chapter, chapter one. Behold the Lamb of God. I mean, really, this has got that kind of First John 3, 1 feel where John just says, uh, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. You know, mm. I, I don't have the words, but just, just look at it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you get that sense that Ellen White hears, uh, mm. behold the Lamb of God. Mm. Behold the Lamb of God. And so the only way that we will break those cords, that we will acquire those tastes, that will regain that, uh, you know, spiritual virginity is by looking to Jesus seeing the enormity of our own sin, 
seeing the glory and beauty of his righteousness mm, and mm. turning to him. And in that turning yeah. is the growing. That's the repentance. And again, as we've said, that's not something you do once. It's something you do throughout your life, the deepening repentance. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was the point. Ty, what do we learn about the person of God? Well, the word I wrote down is wooing. The The word shows up in this chapter, and there are a number of synonyms, you know, mm-hmm. to draw yeah. um, would be one attract. of them to attract. But uh, wooing, I love that idea because it, it, it it's, it's completely free of control and force and coercion. It's it's uh it's a whisper, and it's constantly happening in every human conscience and every human heart. There's just this persistent whisper: "I love you. Won't you love me back? I'm wooing you to myself." God is a wooer. He woos us to Himself. Beautiful. I put God as good, amazingly good, so very, very good, so incomprehensibly good such that when we see, behold, discern, comprehend this, we will voluntarily, joyfully, and enthusiastically turn from our sins, even our cherished ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I see Ellen White in this chapter is basically saying, and again, this gets back to my earlier point, look to Jesus. Yeah. Look to Jesus. Yeah. Set your eye on Jesus. If you can keep your eye fixed to Jesus, there's actually a great statement from Ellen White where she says, if we can only keep our eyes fixed on Jesus... Mm. And then in her own way, she basically says, the rest of these things will take care of themselves. Yeah, yeah. Okay, if, if Jesus can be our true north, we're going to be okay. Yes. Okay, Ty, how do we pray this chapter? Okay, so the key prayer for me would be a prayer for repentance, and it might be in the form of a petition. And the petition would be, um, God, I can't repent. Would you please give me the gift of repentance? Beautiful. That's my prayer. That's a great prayer. Mm. Mine's going back to my theme here of behold the Lamb of God. One of the words that she uses uh, dozens, and that's not an exaggeration, of times in this chapter is the word heart. Mm. She uses a lot of synonyms too, mind. Mm. And so I just said, God, please show me Jesus as he is in my innermost heart. Yeah so that I can have that Psalm 51 experience of saying, God, create in me a clean heart. Help me to mm. see you as you are, and may mm. the scales fall from my eyes, and yeah. may I just get brighter and brighter and better and better mm-hmm. and holier and holier conceptions mm. of your amazing love, your incomprehensible love, yeah. a love that passes understanding. Mm. Okay, Ty, how do we practice this chapter? Well, a good practice would be, and I I suggested this already, and I just think it's super practical, and that is to give someone or some small group of trusted individuals to give people permission to um, to point things out, to to, 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 to poke, poke you, you to, to poke, poke you. in the direction of give permission to others to tell me I'm out of alignment. In, in whatever little That's very cues, practical. Yeah, any little cues that we want to give to one another, you know, um, Sue and I have facial expressions. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to say words. Uh, we, can, we can be, you know, in the company of people, and Sue can just look at me in a certain way, and I know what she's saying. Sue has a very expressive face. Yeah, she can just, she can just look across the room and take on the appearance of John the Baptist. <laughs> For me, and, and and literally, you know, she's looking across the room. She repent. She she's, can. She's laying the axe to the yeah, root of the she, tree with a mere can, look. Yeah, she can stop me mid sentence <laughs> with a look, and it's a good thing. It's Praise a good God. thing because sometimes 
I need to be stopped mid-sentence. <laughs> and I love her and she loves me, so I know she means no harm, right? Beautiful. Well, the first 10 years of, of our marriage, I was a little like, what? <laughs> and I was like, oh, she still loves me. Yeah. So go ahead. I'll take all your looks. Um, here's what I put for practice. Don't delay. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate. Look to Christ and him crucified always. Back to the pie chart. You know, don't make looking to Jesus one of the things that you do in life. Try to look to Jesus in all of the things that you do in life. Yeah. And that's a skill. Yeah. That takes practice yeah. to curate that ability to pray without ceasing, to be to be always mindful of God's goodness as manifested yeah. in Jesus. Incredible. Woo! Come on now. Yeah. Um, Ty, what is God's promise to you in this chapter? Uh, it's Romans 2, verse 4. The goodness this is, of this God. is a promise. The goodness of God will lead you to repentance. That's a promise. The, the goodness, goodness of God goodness will of God. lead you to turn around. Yeah, it will lead you to. So that's, you know, if you keep looking at me, you'll become you. <laughs> you will become the true you that you're meant to be in my image. If you keep looking at me, you will become you. Ty, this is one of the reasons why one of the great promises in the book of Revelation is that the redeemed will be given a new name. Yeah. Because I go by the name David here, you go by the name Ty, we all have our names that we go by, but that goes back to the sort of six persons that are here. You know, I know you as Ty, you know you as Ty, so that covers four of the people, I know me as David, you know me as David, but God knows who we are exhaustively yeah. and perfectly, yeah. and when he gives us a new name, just like he gave Jacob a new name, you're not Jacob anymore, you're Israel. Yeah. When we get that new name, this is us becoming who we are are with a capital a who yeah. we actually yeah. are so i love your language there how did you say it keep looking to me yeah. if you keep looking at me you'll become you write that down that's good if you keep looking at me capital m you will become you this is where for example soren kierkegaard said now with the help of god i shall become myself <laughs> beautiful <laughs> i put um i go back to basically your point here my promise was your point, and that is, if I don't resist God's love, I will be drawn to Jesus. Mm, yeah. So here's something you can do, very practical, all of you that are tuning in for SC with EA. Just do this. Just, just decide right now, by the grace of God, not to resist. Yeah. That's it. Don't resist. Yeah. Because if we don't resist, the promise is sure, we will be drawn yeah. to him. Even a whimpering yes is a yes. Yes. I mean, this is the illustration. Jesus talks about a, uh, you don't need a great big tree. You just need a mustard seed. Mm. Just the, the smallest thing, you just need to start. Mm. And if you give a start, yeah. God can take that start and finish it. Amen. Okay, Ty, now let's look over here to our to our yeah, screen. I, I, this is a little challenging. No, it's so challenging. I've got it's challenging. screens to look at here. You know, I feel like, who am I supposed to be You've done a great at? job. Let's okay. see what people's word was. And then Ty, you and I will do our word reveal. So okay. you mean they're going to share? Yeah, so they're, okay, so Ollie says drawn. Drawn. Great word, by the way. Hallelujah. I think they're just rejoicing. Let's see. Return. Return. That's a great word. Very Love good. Word. Now. Somebody says now. <laughs> Somebody's word is two words. Look up. Oh, Jim also says the same thing. You've met Jim. Now. This Lament. One, good word. She Lament. uses that word a couple times in the chapter. Okay. Restore. Come. Go. Go, as in go to him. Oh, very good. Mm -mm. My word is contrite, my, loved, contrite, restore. My yeah. word is 
Incomprehensible. Con Excellent, yeah. Stephen. Contrition. Turn. U-turn. U-turn. Like Very one. good. That's a lot of a lot of turns. Thing. Look at that. Turn. 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 U-turn. Yeah, turn. Here. Here. All right. Come. Desire. Submit. Great. Oh. Great word. A lot of turn. Yeah. Well, that's what repentance means. Yeah. That's, transformation. That's See. Yield. I haven't seen my word yet. Have Pursue. you seen your word yet? No. I haven't seen my word yet. Magnet. Magnet. Oh, that's kind of hot. Magnet. Magnetic. Oh, I like that. Yes. Pursue, inkling. respond. Somebody latched on the inkling. That's Love right. that. Return, pursue, harmony. Another U-turn. Heart. Hey, hey, Victor. By the way, heart. Oh, Victor who? Yeah, no, just Victor Mills. But yeah. he said heart. heart. Um, there's one place in that chapter that we didn't read where she calls the heart the secret chambers of the soul. Ooh. There are things... There are things in us that we don't even know are in us that need to be illuminated, she says. Quicken, will, willing, impossible, yields, wooing. Wooing. I love the word wooing. Wooed, infinite. Have you seen your word yet? I have not. Danger. Oh, danger. Behold. Um, that was my word. Behold? That's my word. Behold. Um, yeah, because the, the way that God yeah, gives yeah. us the gift Redeem. of repentance is... Drawn, drawn. Beholding the Lamb of God. And she uses a lot of synonyms here. She says, look, see, yeah, yeah. behold, discern, pardon. My word was gift. behold. I love the word gift because that's exactly what repentance is. It's a gift. Goodness. Awaken. Nobody said mine, and it's on the first page. It's of the... Okay, wait, 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 wait. Your word is just. Mine? No. No. Your word what's is... What's the next one after just, and what's the next one after that one? Okay, righteous. And then what? I pointed it out. Yeah, you pointed it out. Now I'm trying to remember. How should I, uh, to be made just with God, to be made righteous, is to be brought into harmony. Harmony. That's my That's word, word, bro. Harmony is my word. So you had harmony. I had behold. We had a lot of great words. Yeah. I like the word harmony because it's musical, and you know God's singing a particular tune, and I want to I want to like harmonize with what He's singing, and not be like some grating you know, well, in, out of tune note. In chapter two, remember, she talks about melody. She talks about answering chord. She talks about a discordant note. Harmony, harmony, harmony. Yes. I wonder, I, I, did all these people just choose it because of you? Or I wonder if that was their word as I, well. I don't know. I don't know. But but either way, it's just a great word to have. Ty Gibson, was this fun? This An hour yeah, yeah, and 42 yeah, yeah. minutes oh. just passed. You lied to me then. No, I, I didn't. I told you the truth. No, when I asked how long have we been doing this, I said an said, hour and 20 minutes. No, you said 40 some minutes. No, you said 40 some minutes. At the beginning, I said, we'll go for this about 40 minutes. It was too long then. That, it it that, was almost two hours, Ty. Oh, my lands. I did not know. It didn't feel like that. <laughs> hey, well, time flies <laughs> you're getting, when you're having time flies when you're having fun. Honestly, I didn't I had no idea. It was you're that getting long. a real world uh, you know, example and illustration right now of how preachers see time. Ty, if I would have told you that we just, if this was, if I would have told you this took 50 minutes, you would have believed me. I would have. I would have said, oh, th this is great timing. Look at that. Yeah. It's it's 50 minutes. And you would have said, oh man, great. But it's been almost two hours. And I had no idea. I was oblivious. Yeah. Well, the Lord is good yeah. and it's so fun. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Thank you all for tuning in. Mm. We'll be back tomorrow. Yes, same you. time, same place. And unless there's a giant snowstorm, Ty, you won't be with unless us Unless. You there be there is going to be a giant store. But I'm saying schools are closing as we speak. Can I get a commitment from you if you are in Colorado tomorrow that you'll be here tomorrow night? If I get stuck here, you'll come tomorrow. I'll, night. I'll come tomorrow night. Okay, but you don't. I, I do. But not you do not want, want to any, get stuck here. But you don't want anybody praying 
to no, that. Do not end. pray that I get stuck here. Yeah, let's pray that Ty gets because he has he actually has very important appointments to get to. I, I I'd like to get there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, you open with prayer. I'm going to close. Thank mm. you all for tuning in. This was a great session. Mm. You knew it was going to be long. It's not just one preacher. It's two preachers, and it's a long chapter, and it's an amazing chapter. We were lucky. We were blessed to get out in under two hours. We were. <laughs> all right, let's pray. Father in heaven, teach us. Don't just teach us how to repent, but Father, give us the gift of repentance. Mm. Father, I want to pray a very special prayer for all of us because to greater or lesser degrees, we have gotten good in our life at resisting. Mm. But Father, we don't want to resist. We want to submit. We want to surrender. We know that you have our best interest in mind. We know that you love us. And so forgive us where we have resisted stubbornly, persistently. And Father, right now, we receive the repentance that you gift us mm -hmm. in Jesus. Father, we have just read here that we cannot generate this repentance. We cannot generate this sorrow for sin. So we're asking you at a deepening level and an ongoing level in our life to reveal to us who you really are, to see Calvary with clarity, to see the incarnation with clarity, to see Jesus with clarity. And Father, as we look in that mirror, may we see what we aren't, but what we long to be, what we desire to be, what we crave to be. And so, Father, in this grand and beautiful process called redemption, called salvation, we ask that you will give us the gift of repentance. Amen. And we claim by the blood of Jesus and in his name that you have done so. Amen. Amen. Amen.